What does it take to unlock your creative potential? Let's find out with today's guest, Lina Filoplite. Welcome to another episode of Question Everything, where we connect young leaders with experts in entrepreneurship, publishing, and design. I'm your host, Carly Sotis, and today I'm speaking with my very talented friend, Lina Filoplite. Lina is a Brooklyn-based cinematographer and the director of the Advanced Style documentary, which is part of the best-selling book and blog series by Ari Seth Cohen, which celebrates the life and style of older men and women. The film has played in theaters around the world, from London to Japan, and was released on Netflix and iTunes last year. Lina has also worked on girls' education projects with Maybelline and Glamour, and has an impressive list of clients ranging from Aritzia to Kelvin Klein and Dior. In today's episode, we discuss how Lina came to the U.S. from Lithuania to pursue her passion for journalism and how she got her start as an intern at Nylon Magazine and MTV. She shares some of the lessons she's learned about aging and creativity through directing the advanced style film and talks about the importance of seizing opportunities when you're young and learning to let go and switch paths when things don't feel right. So thank you for being on the show today, Lina. My pleasure, Carly. (laughs) How did you first become interested in film? Wow, how did I first become interested in film? Uh, I don't know, where does it start? With the first movie you see? I grew up in Lithuania, Eastern European, tiniest country. I spent my first 20 years of my life there. Would I have ever dared to be a filmmaker there? Hell no. My dad would have been probably, go find a real job. You know, I never even would dare to even dream that far. And, and film as a medium scared me you know like it's such a weird thing celluloid <laughs> um but all my life i knew i liked journalism i called myself a journalist as a young child so i do believe that that was my how it all started intertwining storytelling mm-hmm. people people and their stories and and finding ways to tell them and i believe that documentary is a poetic journalism you know, mm. it's uh, very internal. It can be surreal. It can be very personal. It sometimes not always is very true. <laughs> you know, it can just be a point of view. And that's what I love about mm. it. But it's definitely real stories, real people. So when you grew up in Lithuania, you wanted to be a journalist from the time you were really little? Yeah, I mean, besides playing with Barbies and <laughs> whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, my grandma was a journalist. Uh-huh. And I remember mother telling me in the early age that I have her genes. <laughs> um, and I did somehow identified myself with journalism without perhaps, you know, dreaming of being some TV anchor. I think it was more like writing articles and being a reporter, you know, going around the field with the recorder and talking to people and and getting their stories. And then I studied journalism kind of naturally. It was my natural progression, even though my dad was like, what kind of, what kind of dirty profession is this? (laughs) Because you thought, you know, in Lithuania, journalism is not always the highest standard of journalism. It's, you know, just like Fox News is not the highest (laughs) standard of journalism. There's everything out there. (laughs) So how did you end up moving from Lithuania to the US and convince your dad to let you come? (laughs) (laughs) I think he knew that there is nothing he could do <laughs> after I you know started studying journalism against his will he probably knew there is no 
no way he can say anything to me that uh, would change my wishes to do something. But that being said, I was raised very Francophile, meaning Lithuania has a huge obsession with France and all French things. And I never even dreamed of living in America or, you know, going for the dream land here in the United States. So I came here for summer in 2004 for this exchange program, Work and Travel USA, that Eastern Europe can come and they're given uh, an exchange visa and social security number so they can work. And the idea is that, you know, a young workforce is exploring the country making some money, I don't know what's what's bigger idea beyond that, but I came here to Colorado and I happened to fall in love with this hippie man in the mountains. And, and you know, it was, the summer was over and it was a big question. Am I going back home or, you know, we're, we're trying to make a future together and it seemed like a right kind of thing to do it seemed like a right kind of adventure to take so we said well let's get married <laughs> how did you find the courage to make such a bold move would you call it courage no <laughs> you know sometimes when you look at other people and their lives and things they've done you're like wow they're amazing they're or it's such it's so courageous to do that but i find when i look back into my own life it's never and then I decided I'm going to move to America <laughs> and make movies. No, you move because you're like heartbroken from some boy and you move and, right. you know, and then you fall in love with somebody else and you move. And then somebody's like, yeah, you should do an internship in this magazine. And you're like, cool. Yeah, there are cool people there. And before you know it, you're like, I love the movies they're making. Can I try to make some? Or maybe... Sometimes when you hear big movie directors or big dudes with big egos talk and they're like, yeah, you know, I always had a plan and I went for it. I feel like as a woman, I embrace my being a storm and predictable mm. force of goddess in the making. And, you know, the, the creativity that comes with this unpredictability and where it takes me, I don't know, but it's fun. <laughs> So when you decided that you were going to stay, what were some of the things that you did to start building your life here and make your dreams happen? Well, first of all, you had to know what dream you have. And uh, I did not know what I quite wanted to do when I was your age. So I studied journalism. I was writing. I was working in the newspaper in Lithuania, writing about nightclubs <laughs> when I was 20. <laughs> that was fun. Um, <laughs> then I came to America and lived in a tiny mountain town for my first year. And I had my early morning radio show, 80s music. That was incredible. <laughs> and uh, transferred my school credits from Lithuania to CU Boulder to study journalism and um, to continue rather. But journalism I was learning in Boulder, it was like hard news, you know, like here we are at the broken automobile where a family of five was just killed by a terrible grizzly attack. And then I thought, oh, I like fashion, I like clothes, maybe I'll be a fashion designer, but I hate sewing and I'm really crap at it, you know, I'm crap at doing the patterns and something really, really strict. So I was just kind of floating and 
trying to figure out what I would like to do. And only when I came to New York, I came to New York City for summer 2007, three years after being in America and kind of feeling like a black sheep many, many times. Would I be living in San Diego or Boulder or Silverton, Colorado? I never quite felt like I'm at home. Mm. I felt like a stranger in a strange land. And I landed in New York City and I was like, well, hello, where have you been all my life? <laughs> it was immediate. And that was it. I kind of left all my life, my prior American life behind. And I just emerged myself in New York City and it blew my mind. It scared the hell out of me. It kicked my butt so many times. But it gave me my structure. It gave me my dreams and just showed me how it's done. And, and you know, just threw me uh, overboard and like, oh, swim now. <laughs> <laughs> so when you came to New York, were you working at Nylon Magazine at the time? Um, well, so I came to New York for a summer internship that okay. had to deal with uh, my studies in Boulder. And uh, this uh, that internship turned out to be some kind of poop internship where you just had to read a bunch of comments from internet, something silly and nothing to do with actual journalism. And then just a random friend uh, that I made was like, oh, Nylon is looking for internships in photo department. You might like it. A week later, I was in Nylon in internship and I've discovered that they're making these videos about you know, Carl Lagerfeld or Alexander Wang or some cool band at the time or with some It's Girl, a model, you know, Alexa Chang or whatever. And at that time, I thought that's the coolest thing ever. And the way the videos were made were so much fun and fluid and free. And you had to put this cool music under it. I was just blown away. And being a 23-year-old, it was the dreamland for me. And I started interning in the video department. And a year later, I got the job there. And it was my boot camp in, you know, a quick internet video in that short form storytelling, if you will, and how to approach a reluctant celebrity and how to break into a fashion show when you're already late and it's fashion week and there's no room for you or whatever. You know, it was all the things like guerrilla style, everything, or, or how to make these boys in the band who are super shy talk bottle of whiskey really works <laughs> um, stuff like that you know it was really fun and really big learning curve for mm -hmm. me of that kind of world and, and just being with a camera and how to quickly turn around videos and how to edit in a day and how to make them fun and, and uh, how to make audience engaged and what questions to ask and what angles to film, you know, what things to cover. So I've learned so, so much there and I'm super thankful for them for, you know, giving me that, that opportunity because it really sparked a love for Akuku people and filming these cuckoo people and get their stories by cuckoo people, it's a, it's a positive term <laughs> for extraordinary people that sometimes just look extraordinary, sometimes act extraordinary, you know, somebody who's in some crazy motorcycle club or somebody who's wearing purple lipstick at 85. You know, there's all kinds of ways of extraordinary and New York City is full of these extraordinary. <laughs> it sure is. What advice would you give to young people who find themselves at their first internship as you were trying to figure everything out, dealing with all those challenges in that new space? I think that internships are everything. They are crucial. They're really, really important. Do them. Do them internships and be good at it and 
don't give up. Sometimes they take forever. You know, you shouldn't be like, oh, it's been a month. You know, so far I've only made coffee. This sucks. I think you have to prove yourself and you have to kiss some butts. <laughs> you have to be there. You have to, okay, forget kissing butts. I think more so you have to show initiative and passion. Mm. That's all. And you then you will find things that really, you know, captivate you and, and you can learn so many things. I mean, just say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot that thing on Saturday night, you know, or can I play with lights in your studio? Since there's, you know, anything you want to do, internship gives you this crazy window to the real world. It's not school because as we all know, for those like photography and video and and all, all, all the artsy world, you kind of have to know how it is in the real world, how to make stories happen in the real world. And internship is your foot in. So you have to do as many. I don't know if it's as many as you can, but definitely do find a company that you really, really like and just bug the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> so after you left Nylon, where did life take you at that time? So it's been a year number three at Nylon, and I felt that I've learned a lot of things, but I started feeling that things have started repeating, you know, stories mm -hmm. repeating repeated i just felt like i reached the ceiling in there of what i can learn but i was petrified to leave because everybody would tell me oh what a cool job i had and everybody wants this job and i just wasn't you know feeling fulfilled anymore mm -hmm. i've filmed these people that i'm really passionate and inspired by several times you know what else is there you know what else i can learn and i went to burning man the magic burning man the festival in the desert and a day one in the desert I've got a download saying, quit nylon. <laughs> I was like, I heard that crazy things happen at Burning Man. They do every single year. They're, that's another thing. After you get the internship, <laughs> save up and go to Burning Man. <laughs> it, change, it just clears your mind from what I should do, what's cool and what's not cool. You know, what's my identity attaching to all mm -hmm. kinds of weird little things that we tell to us that this is good for us or this is for the rational mind. This is important for us or this relationship is good for us on paper, even though we're unhappy in it. And you go to the desert or some kind of pilgrimage like that and it just clears your mind and it shows you what's really important, what you're here for, what you need to do. And I came back and I quit and I started freelancing. And it's been, what, six, seven years now? I can't even believe that. <laughs> I think it's been six years, yeah. Could you tell us the story of how you got involved with Advanced Style? Yeah, uh, I met Ari Cohen <laughs> when I was... Internshipping at Nylon, not even working there yet, my first year in New York City, 2007, working in a coffee shop in Williamsburg. And Ari came in one day and we totally bonded over patterns with patterns, uh, some palm leaves, pants with some sparkly shoe. I don't remember the combo, but we were like, whoop, what's up? You know, I recognized a brotherhood, sisterhood in there. And he was like, I just moved to New York and I'm looking for friends. I was there for maybe three months then. And I was like, oh. I was jaded New Yorker. <laughs> After three months, I was like, who says that? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> 
but we became friends and he mentioned he wants to start this blog photographing older women on the streets and I was like you're kidding me that sounds amazing and I saw his pictures that fall and I said hey could I just come and hang with you and maybe shoot a video of them I would just love to hear what's their story or like let's get into their closet and I'll just edit it and put it on YouTube or something and I you know stole a camera from Nylon over the weekend and we went to who was first Deborah was first Deborah is everything she's the best she's like my mother she's one of the heroines in the movie and she's the most welcoming person and the most creative dresser and she's 71 we just celebrated her birthday but um the one youtube video turned out into maybe 10 uh youtube videos and they were received so well people were pouring comments of how they want to be like these women when they grow older and you know what's their secret and how they do it and it was really fun and it answered my questions of why some people dress you know for fun or like self-expressed through clothing when they're teenagers. But, you know, first serious job and everybody straightens out. Mm -hmm. Even here in New York City, you think everybody dresses well. Yes, but it's kind of very safe way of dressing. You know, nobody's really pushing themselves out there. You know, you don't want to look crazy. You want to wear a cool pant with a cool shirt. And there were these women that just didn't give a care. They were pushing themselves and pushing limit to what's beautiful and what's acceptable even sometimes and what's elegant and what's kooky and bohemian and each of them had their style and very clearly defined look that each of them really honed to the perfection and I was like, whoa, what is this? Is it because they don't have kids, so they just dress all their lives? Or is it because of they have creative professions, so it's allowed for them to dress? Or is it because they're afraid of aging, and that's the way of them to get attention and be in the society? You know, because some of them are grandmothers, and some of them never had children, and some of them work in some serious profession making money, and some of them are very creative artists. And some of them dress for them. Most, I think all of them dress for themselves. It was Lynn, rest in heaven's sweet Lynn. She died last year. Um, but she said when we're in 20s, we dress for the significant other. And when we're in our 30s, we dress for career. And then the further we go, the more we're free to dress for ourselves. Which I so resonated with. Mm-hmm. The idea that you don't have to fall into some kind of fold of the society and just you can just experiment and just push further and further and see what happens and it's all self-creating and it's self-healing and self-expressing and I think it should be taught in schools that dressing is really really empowering and important thing that you do every morning and it has huge powers you can lift your mood you can change your mood. You can change people's around you mood. We all need to do it anyway to stay warm and or cool. So why not to embrace it? I believe it, it charges you. And I love looking down at a sparkle or, or something that is personal to me that I have on my body, like rings that tell stories from years ago. Or, you know, like right now I'm riding this lilac color phase and I don't know why, but I just, it makes me happy. Like mm-hmm. even if it's tips of my nails just feeds something inside of me and just embracing that and going to thrift stores and looking Mm -hmm. at that color section makes me happy. So 
to hell with what everybody else thinks. You know? <laughs> what would you say is the most valuable thing that you learned through filming the women for Advanced Style? Hmm, the most valuable, I mean, God. Probably too many. Too many, indeed, too many. I mean, there are very invaluable things that I learned for my career, for filmmaking, for me as an individual. I think the most important thing for broad understanding is I stopped worrying about aging as much. I, you know, when I started the film, I was, what, 24 maybe, somewhere there. And we finished, I was 30. And I remember thinking, gee, I worry less about wrinkles and stuff when I'm 30 and over 30 than when I was 24. Isn't that kind of ironic and fun and proves that I needed to make this film, <laughs> you know, because every single woman of advanced style, when you ask her, they're like, life only gets better. And I now completely believe that and embrace that because age is only in your mind. If you think that 60 provides you with certain incapabilities and you have to stop doing something because it's age inappropriate or this is what people do or this is how, you know, people start walking slower or people stop going places or dancing or whatever, then you will have that experience. But if you say, age is but a number and you can be whoever you want to be and invent yourself whenever you want to invent yourself that's also true i think the power to the mind when you were looking at all the footage that you had of all the women how did you compile it edit it and turn it into a documentary that has become so successful eternal question here <laughs> uh, or question every filmmaker faces when they look at 300 hours of footage it was two plus years of stuff that ari and i filmed and I knew that there was a movie somewhere, but it took months and months and months just to go over it. You know, first you remember the best scenes, you put stuff on your wall in sticky notes and start building something. And then you go through all of the footage and type it all out. So, you know, every single line and word that took me a month and a half of solitude by the lake. We'll never do it again. <laughs> and then you you have to find an editor. You have to find somebody else who's not as invested in their these lives mm. to help you with it. I mean, it took us two plus years to put it into a film. And sometimes I lost, I feel like I lost my mind. I lost my then boyfriend. Like I broke down a few times. But I knew this is a movie I have to make. And I... <laughs> I'll tell you something. I knew I won't die until the movie's done. It's weird. Like, I'm normally afraid of flying and whatnot, or I used to be. And I just remember feeling that there's no way this movie has to be made. So there's no way I'm going to die. <laughs> well, and you make it and you make it and it still doesn't work there. But in the end, it starts working. And then the middle doesn't work still. I think I need to shoot more of this. Uh, let's do this. And blah, blah. you know, you just remake it, remake it and kill all your darlings and then put it back together it's insane but then i i did not know that it's going to be successful i had no idea people will relate to it i knew that i really cared about it i knew that every scene spoke to me and it was this kind of very personal and very in a way egotistical way to approach it because it was my own story and how i relate and how i get inspired and suddenly everybody else got inspired too it was like, hell yeah, people get it. <laughs> what? How? <laughs> what was it like for you to come out of that editing process and just have it be received the way it's been received? It's been insane. It's been 
insane and looking back to it since it's been two years you know making of that movie totally grew me as a person and made me into a filmmaker i am gave me a purpose in life made me understand why i'm here on this earth and what work i want to put out in this world because of people's reactions because of how people connected to the movie and you know i think that storytelling has a really strong power in changing people's perspectives and inspiring people and it feels really great when when you do something like it but that being said i you know i don't want to just make things that are like pop messages it's like you find individuals and you personally connect with them and then you tell the, their stories to the world and it's beautiful. What are some of the things that you've been working on since Invent Style where you've been able to tell more people's stories? I feel like it's all I've been doing now and that's the best part of it. I've grown so much since Advanced Style. You know, I used to call myself a camera girl. I would never call myself director. That's such a loaded word. Everybody wants to be a director. It's such an important job. Uh, you know, no, I'm just a camera woman, <laughs> camera girl. Now that I'm over 30, I'm a camera woman. That's weird stuff that goes in your mind. You know, I'm a girl. No, honey, I'm a woman. <laughs> But uh, since Advanced Style, it's just I realized what I can and came to my own Mm. power. And I've started, you know, pitching my own stories and finding inspiring stories and going to the channels. You know, would it be Vice or Refinery29 or somebody like that? Nowness, internet channels mostly. TV is coming. HBO is coming. Okay, (laughs) that's that's the term. Longer term goals. But uh, just becoming a content provider. It sounds very robotic, but I like it. I've become someone who is seeing the world through filmmakers' eyes and seeing the stories. And what I love about what Advanced Style Making brought to me is now I would do things that I wouldn't do normally. You know, you go and talk to some old man at the bar and hear their story. You know, three years ago, I would be like, eh, what I have to say to him? Eh, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. Now it's like, he's really interesting. What is his story? Mm. You know, you step over yourself and you step into the world. And that's so cool. It's like, I've learned so much and experienced so much just because... You, you don't listen to that little shrieking, judgmental voice that stops you from experiences in the world. But you say, hey, let's experience this because then I have more experience as a filmmaker. Then I can relate to more people because I just took this trapeze lesson, <laughs> you know, or I just walked into this alligator farm or whatever, you know. Step over yourself and step into the world. I love that. Step into the alligator farm. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. That was the best. Thanks, Carly. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Question Everything. I'm your host, Carly Sotis, and each week we bring you inspiration and insights from creative minds and experts in entrepreneurship, publishing, and design. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can download the show at iTunes, SoundCloud, and at citr.ca.